Are you ready for the end of the world? This is your community spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. This is Ord Energy Mon, and I forgot the rest of it. I've only been doing this 13 years. Let's bring back the circle again. Oh, yeah. Let's, Let's bring back the circle again. The circle of friends, the circle of family, the circle of being. Being. Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. You are listening to your community spirit. This is Ord Energy Mon. And this is Tree Song. And we've got a special guest. Would you yes, like to introduce? Hi, I'm Angela from the Eco Room Tour. Um, I met these guys in St. Louis at the Healthy Planet. Let's see, Healthy Planet, Healthy Living Expo, something like that. And um, they inspired me to, well, invite them on the show, and they're traveling around the country. So, tell us a little bit why you decided to travel around the country. Well, we wanted to get out of the grind and um, uh, really be with our family. Um, we also wanted to live as sustainably as we could. Um, really, we were teaching it, but we wanted to walk the walk and, and talk the talk. And um, we run on a bus. Our bus runs on waste vegetable oil for fuel. So we wanted to be able to be sustainable. Um, we use solar. We have a lot of sustainable features inside the bus. And um, we started touring and teaching on sustainable living and um, healthy eating and those sort of things. So voting with your forks and your dollars and teaching people really how to, how to do it. And we do it with our family. Well, how do you utilize the real renewable energy resource of the kids? <laughs> yeah, if I could uh, uh, bound that up, my kids have all sorts of energy, so uh, that would be great if we could bottle that up and, and use that. <laughs> yeah, maybe you'd get one of those bicycles that they pedal and create electricity. <laughs> yeah, make smoothies with it. I've seen that at shows, but yeah. that would be wonderful, yeah. How long have you guys been like on the road? Um, it'll be two years in January, wow. so we're coming up on two years, full-time traveling. Do you have a hard time finding biodiesel? Um, in the city centers, it's a little more difficult. We have to do a little searching. A lot of there's a lot of recycling companies that so collect. So in the city, it's hard, but yeah. in the country, it's easy. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. What? Because <laughs> we usually can can go to a restaurant and and tell our story and and they'll donate it to us. Um, oh, you're talking. But we about always just, find it. Just actual oil, and you guys are converting it. We just use the waste vegetable oil, oh, okay. so we have to do no conversion to it. Okay, um, if we get straight veggie, it goes straight in our tank. If we get waste, um, it goes through a filtration process that filters it down to 10 microns. And we have a 90-gallon tank, so we can go anywhere between eight to 900 miles on one tank of veg. Okay, so you're not using biodiesel. You're using nope. straight vegetable oil. Yep, using a waste product and using it for fuel. And any diesel engine can run on waste Veggie, the original diesel engines were actually designed to run on hemp oil and peanut oil and veggie oil. And it was only when big oil came in and said there's a profit that that all changed. And so a lot of people don't know that nugget of information that our, our cars and, and, and trucks could run on these kind of oils originally. They were actually true hybrids. They could run on pretty much any type of oil. So Yeah, yeah, that's exciting to hear about because I know theoretically that that's true, but it's rare to actually see it being used in that way that it was intended. You know, So it's good to see people traveling around the country raising awareness about that. There's, we actually have at Johnny Logan College uh, a professor, Lee Rossum. He teaches automotive, and he teaches how to do conversions. And, of course, he drives in a vehicle back and forth to school in Oh, a straight cool. vegetable oil vehicle. So that's um, what other stuff do you guys do? I mean, do you just 
randomly go places or do you have like focused places you try to hit up? We do. We do events. We do green events. We also do farmer's markets. Um, we also teach to schools and colleges. Sometimes we'll go to a college if they have a biofuel program and do a skill share where maybe we get waste veggie from them and then we teach them all about sustainable living. And um, we also do something called the Zero Waste Family Project and we show people how to go completely zero waste, um, you know, reduce, reuse, recycle, compost. And then we do something called bottle bricking where you stuff all of your whatever cannot be recycled or composted into a plastic bottle, <laughs> and it is used as a free building material. So you put cob around it, and we're actually going around building community benches, and um, they've built a school in Guatemala, so it has all sorts of uses. Um, and we also teach on, um, we have a non-GMO family awareness campaign, so we teach a lot on uh, what's in our foods and the right to know what's in our foods. What was probably the hardest place to, like, do this? I mean, what, I guess what would be the easiest area? I guess probably the West Coast would probably be easier to survive, like you're talking about. Uh, yeah. What, what would be the <laughs> hardest place? Um, everyone's calling us out West. That's actually where we're heading. Um, we've done the whole East Coast. We um, just did a couple events in Jonesboro, Arkansas. And that was hard. That was actually, we were teaching on GMOs, and that was on in Monsanto farmland. Um, and so there, there wasn't a whole lot of draw for the event, but the people that we did connect with, they were yearning for the information and wanted to know why everyone's, you know, getting sick and if it had anything to do with food. And so we just shared the information that we have, and, and they were grateful. Financially, how can you keep going for two years? I mean, <laughs> I mean your fuel is obviously free or... You can figure out ways to trade for it, but how do you survive for everything else? I mean, you have a whole family. Right. We do have a um, store online where we sell eco-friendly products. Um, my husband also has a business called Letterbox Studios where he does websites for socially and eco-conscious businesses. Um, so we do a little of everything. We're trying. We, we also are trying to get sponsors for the tour. Um, Dr. Bronner's did come on board in August to sponsor us, so that's really helped us going. Um, but obviously we, we take donations because all our education is for free, so we really look to outside donations and any kind of sponsorship to really help us continue. Otherwise, um, we, we can't. <laughs> all right. And you are going to be in this area for a few days at least? A few days at least, um, yeah. and, and then we'll see where we go next. Yeah, welcome to the Shawnee National Forest. So there's Thank a, you. a lot of it here. Thank you for being on the air. Um, how can people contact you? Um, our website is uh, ecowomb.com. That's E-C-O-W-O-M-B.com. Um, you can also email at love at ecowomb.com. All right. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> it's like, all right. This is Orda Energy Mon. Let us talk about a few things that are happening and joyful in this community. If you would like to get your happenings to happen, please email us at info at yourcommunityspirit.org and we will put it on the air. Have you heard about this big thing called Sandy? Uh, Sandy who? Sandy who? Someone else called it Hurricane Exxon. Oh, okay. That's Sandy. Oh, see, you've been calling it. I know a couple of Sandys, you know. You never know which one you're talking about. Um, apparently, it's really devastated some people on the East Coast. I mean, yeah, I did hear about people, that. Yeah, a few. Uh, yeah, I've heard there might have been a little bit of power outage and storm damage. Oh yeah. <laughs> apparently, they only broke like a bunch of records with yeah. this storm. So, let us talk a little bit about this storm. Yeah, I wonder if they broke 
a number of records of records broken. You know, like this storm broke 17 records, so therefore it's the most record-breaking storm. <laughs> well, let me see. I actually have that in the news article later. Let's see what it says real quick. Well, it just says nine records blown away by Superstorm Sandy. So Sandy was super stormy. All right. Sandy has destroyed homes, hurt and killed people, brought down power grids and hospitals, and showed us all what equality in New York City really looks like. There's actually a really good article about someone who weathered the storm in a hotel as his family was able to afford it. But, of course, everybody who worked at the hotel still had to come to work. <laughs> you know, so it was, you know, it's an article about inequality. Yeah. So let's see what else. Let's see, do we want to get to other news or stick to Sandy news first? can cover a couple other stories, too. Well, the simple fact about this Walmart workers that I haven't really seen or read anything in mainstream news, and they're still actually now on strike Yeah. nationwide. And they're on strike um, primarily in warehouses. Yeah. I mean, and they're on strike because, well, they kind of tried to organize a little bit. Not through the unions, but through a, a non-union organization, and they're getting fired for doing it. Yeah. So, um, here, let's see here. It's an organization called Our Walmart. It's Organization United for Respect at Walmart, a membership organization of current and former workers who hope to improve working conditions at the retailer. So, and this is, um, again, a nationwide and they're talking about if they don't get some, you know, get at least get talked to by yeah. Walmart, there's going to be an issue towards the end of this month. What is it's What is it? The day after being thankful, everybody goes and tries to kill each other to get stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so on that day, the, the striker said, you know, if you don't at least talk with us, there's going to be a nationwide, you know, more than strike, it's going to be day of action. Yeah. So, yeah, it's they, scary. I mean, <laughs> take down Walmart on like the biggest shopping day of the. Whoa, I don't think that's. I don't think they'll succeed on that one. But they can try. <laughs> they, they can try. Well, it'll they, be exciting and fun. I yeah, think. and they might succeed in some places. You know, like I'm sure Walmart will take notice if, you know, a dozen of their stores don't have their proper, like, you know, big holiday opening that they always do on that day. Uh, yeah, and it's, well, Walmart has a history, like I don't have it here in front of me, but a history of, uh, there have been very few times when people have actually tried to organize in Walmart because they're so strict about labor practices. But when they do, they just fire them all and they pretend it didn't happen. You know, they, that's their attitude is to not negotiate with their workers, is to just fire them. <laughs> but they may have to negotiate now if, because or, this, this or, you know, our Walmart's, uh, movement is pretty big. Yeah, I mean, and it's, considering how big it is, it only started a year ago. Yeah. And it literally it started because a lot of the workers were saying that the unions weren't helping. I mean, the, you know, yeah. it was like literally they were just completely stopped by Walmart. And so they were like, we're not being supported and represented by anybody. And yeah. So this organization started to try to help the people who were not being helped. So, and I mean, Walmarts are put in place in like the poorest areas in some of the cases, it's the only job in the area. Yeah. So people are accepting it because that's the only choice they have. Yeah. And then if it's the only choice, they should be able to try to fight for better rights and conditions in that choice. Uh, 
Yeah, so yeah, if, if people at the local Walmart want to go look online, it's uh, you know they just have just have to look up our Walmart. At NYU, some brilliant designer put the generator side by side in the basement, including the backup generator. Yeah. So guess what? When there's floods, it kind of like quit working. Yeah, it's like putting all your eggs in one basket. It's like putting all your generators in one basement. Oh, I guess the egg in your basket if you trip. I was like, why wouldn't you put them all, like, you collect the eggs, you put them in your basket, you carry them in the house. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. And then you chip and smash all the eggs and realize your mistake. <laughs> your mistake. Or in this case, it's generators in basements. <laughs> so um, when the basement flooded, all the generators, of course, failed, leaving the hospital to evacuate hundreds of patients, um, many of them, of course, in critical condition. It is a hospital. And in some cases, nurses had to ride with infants, um, helping them to breeze with, you know, those squeeze bags. It's like a little CPR bag. And and so, I don't know, this is and has been an issue. We do have another article about how all the renewable energy systems made it no problem. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, renewables did pretty well during this crisis. Uh, but, yeah, it's they were, they were very... Uh, you know, they were very heroic. I've heard the stories about them, like at that hospital, you know, because if you think about it, the babies and the respirators, they're also not on the first floor. So they were having to hurry downstairs with the baby in their hands and do the respirator to keep the baby alive. So they, in the dark, you know, under these bad conditions. Uh, so it was a very difficult time. Yeah. But they did, they did very well, you know. Well, I mean, the thing is, is the generators are designed not for such an extreme storm. I yeah. mean, you're talking about extreme to the extreme. It's like extreme. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, what else in New York? Yeah, let's see. Uh, in New York City, uh, evacuees were mostly safe in the shelters, but one group of people had to fight the city and the storm. Homeless people were allegedly turned away from evacuation shelters. Homeless shelters allowed more people in than they are allotted, going over capacity, Churches and outreach groups attempted to help the homeless get off the streets, but there was just not enough room for everyone. Uh, when something like this happens, it becomes obvious that this is a daily problem uh, for these people rather than just a freak event. And yeah, that's like, you know, it's, it's, a, it's again like a stratification, you know, division among different people. If, if everyone needs shelter and then they see these people and they say, oh, well, these are obviously homeless people, so they get to stay out in the storm. You know, I guess they won't mind it because they were outside before. It's it's definitely discrimination. Well, the interesting thing for me is basically with all these power and water outages, it was just like New York and the surrounding area all of a sudden had to realize what the rest of the world deals with on a regular basis. Yeah. On not having ready access to electricity and fresh, good drinking water. And so it was just like the third world all of a sudden moved to New York. Yeah. So, yeah, suddenly Manhattan's the third world country. Yeah, that's what that's the truth. I mean, without ready access to um, utilities, that's how people have to function. Yeah. And, I mean, people in third world are prepared for any storm because their regular day-to-day -day life is a storm. I mean, they have enough food to last for a period of time. They store things. But, I mean, the simple fact of not having electricity... Um, I mean, I got an email from one of my solar suppliers, Sun Oven. They make them in northern Illinois. And they are, like, selling them like mad. 
Now, of course, they're lucky they stocked up for Christmas. Uh, yeah. So they have a lot of them pre-made in the warehouse. But people are realizing that if you don't have ready access to utilities, you need to look at other options. Yeah. So. And it is, I think, actually experiencing a crisis like this makes people think about that. Because some people will already think maybe, like, I'll have a little bit of canned food, you know. But they may not think ahead to, How where's you... my water going to come from? How am I going to cook the canned food, you mm-hmm. know? If there's no power, if my, there's no my, gas. my favorite story is the guy who went to the store and his wife sent him to pick up supplies and he brought back a whole bunch of microwave meals. Oh. <laughs> or no, not, not microwave meals, the ones that you have to actually cook. Yeah. Like the instant soups and stuff like that, that you, you like have to microwave it to eat it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the microwave meals, they're pretty much pre-cooked. You just thaw them out and like, but in this case, he like bought a bunch of, you know, instant macaroni and soup mix and she was like my husband is so stupid <laughs> just like <laughs> so um this article here is talking about the the bringing the third world to the US the now seeming luxury in the rest of the area with no running water and heat just seems to be here let's sum it up as downtowners struggle in, some with piercings and leather jackets and mutts on rope leashes, cloistering around power strips by the ATM at all hours, the midtown tourists take pictures through the giant picture windows, capturing what may be the closest they will ever come to the city of darkness. They look and they say, look at all those poor people. And wait a second, these are just regular people who happen to now be dealing with an issue. The people uptown have no idea, no clue what's going on down here, he said. Come on downtown. You'll never have an opportunity to see New York like this again. So, I mean, you know, hotels and banks and cafes, are they're not letting people in, you know. I mean, people are freaked out and scared. Yeah. And so, um, especially, especially the people... This lady's quote is intense. I'm not traumatized by the storm. I'm traumatized by the indifference. So. And this is after two and a half days in the dark. So, being without electricity, running water, modern plumbing is the normal state of affairs for people all over the world. A very large portion of the world's property. So. It's very interesting that, you know, what is now extraordinary in Manhattan is, again, something that happens all over the world in a regular basis. Yeah. People having to carry water for long distances just, you know, to be able to drink fresh water. So. Yeah. Well, and it's hard for sometimes for people to make those connections unless they actually experience it, even for a little while. You know, like, you can think intellectually, like, oh, I know there's people in the world who have to carry their water a mile and... People who don't have, you know, running water or that sort of thing. But then when you experience it for a few days, then you start to think, you know, what, what does this mean? You know, what does it mean that I always live with these things and other people live without them? Well, it is the month of thankfulness. Yeah. So it is now the time to be thankful and caring towards others who don't have the privilege. Yeah. So I think that's... And we didn't have the privilege of getting hit by the storm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we did a few years ago. Yeah. I mean... The inland hurricane here. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of was reliving a lot of those intense 
moments of that storm from three years ago when I was seeing pictures. I mean, there was a picture of j- just like the tree in my front yard, almost as big, like turned sideways. Yeah. And this guy is like, like laying on it sideways, so it looks like he's like standing on it. Uh-huh. And it just was a really cool optical illusion. But, you know, big tree. And then the pictures of, you know, 20, 30 cell phones plugged into a power strip. We did that at our house, you know, yeah. off the solar trailer. So Yeah, because a few days before the storm hit here a few years ago, uh, Orr had just finished the solar trailer. <laughs> and so then yeah, not- it was like a, two weeks, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so then, you know, everyone who needed their cell phones charged, all that, they came for the solar trailer. Well, even better, I put, put a... Uh, refrigerator in the backyard and anybody want to store food yeah all that food that was going to go to waste got saved yeah. not all of it I well mean, it's just a fridge full yeah i mean yeah a lot of food yeah so it was um i forget uh the indian restaurant jewel of india they had cooked a bunch of food and then they didn't have a refrigerator and so somehow i don't know how but like three trays of good indian food showed up in my fridge <laughs> and people ate it i mean you yeah know, it was um I don't know how it got there still to this day, but I think a, fr- a friend was like a brother to somebody who worked there. Or so- I don't know. Yeah, it's the magic of community. Yeah, so, <laughs> I mean, and that is how the Rice and Spice community dinners started because people wanted to continue to eat together. So, let's see. Nine records blown away by Superstorm Sandy. I don't think we can actually talk about all of them. And the interesting thing is the fact that by the time she reached landfall, she was actually no longer a hurricane. Yeah. I mean, she was an intense hurricane, and then she hit land just as the residual of a hurricane. Yeah. So, and they're saying over $10 billion in damage, which is about what the profit of the oil industry this year, right? About $10 billion? (laughs) No, no, no. Ten billion dollars is what they spent on supporting political candidates. Yeah, on the on the attack ads. Yeah, that's so. There's, there might still be time for the oil industry to cancel some of those attack ads and spend it on storm relief. Hey, maybe so. That's I can't claim credit for that idea. 350.org came up with that idea, but it's a good one. Well, they were saying donate to the relief effort and also let the oil industry know that we do not want to support you continuing to pollute the environment causing more of these storms yeah wow that was it's all connected (laughs) so there are actually no precedents for sandy the former director of the national hurricane center told the houston chronicles and indeed the numbers prove that statement here's a few ways sandy has outdone all the others earning her title as one of the record-breaking storms in recorded history the strongest hurricane to make landfall north of Cape Hatteras. So, yes, and the largest Atlantic hurricane on record. Wow, an impressive gale diameter of a thousand mile storm. So, yeah, the lar- hugest storm surge. They were expecting it to be around eight to ten feet. But actually, the storm, the surge level was a whopping 13.88 feet at 9:24 on Monday. Yeah, man, can you imagine that? Like seeing a big wave just coming at you when there's never waves. Yeah, and never waves. You know, that you get big. little lappy waves, but yeah, a 14-foot-tall wave. 
Wow. That'll take it out. So, And, of course, the highest wave in the New York Harbor. If you would like a complete list of the nine records blown away by Superstorm Sandy, please email us, info at yourcommunityspirit.org, and we'll send you our newsletter. Anything we can say good about the storm? Oh. Well, on, on the bright side, uh, renewable energy uh, did pretty well during the storm. <laughs> There's renewable energy. And then the real renewable energy that I think is hopefully coming out is the renewable energy of the human spirit. Yeah. That, um, you know, neighbors helping neighbors, and hopefully when the storm goes away, that continues to happen. Yeah. And so I think that's the greatest thing of anything bad happening yeah. is when the community gets together and works on, well, creating a community spirit. Uh, yeah, like our show. <laughs> well, that's, that's nice. It's nice to imagine, too. Like here in, in Carbondale, we had the Rice and Spice program arose because of the storm. Like it's imagine like a whole city full of people now working together, you know, helping each other and imagine what's going to stay after the storm. They might have new, they might have new dinners together. They might have new programs. They might all decide they want to help people. Less they might all move out of the city. <laughs> they might all move out of the city. <laughs> yeah, you never know. So, but something interesting will happen. Well, um, this renewable energy. Um, they've went and studied all the large-scale renewable energy systems. And we're not just talking about small ones. I mean, where most of the people died and most of the damage was done, there is a very large scale, I want to say 32 megawatts. And so that's like, I want to say about 30 acres solar system. Mm -hmm. And they went and checked it out and they said they, they had shut it off. Yeah. You know, because you don't want electricity flowing when you have a possibility of going underwater. Yeah. But they said that there was not an issue. I mean, they're turning them back on now. Or they're... T actually, I don't think... They can't turn them back on now because there's no electricity. Yeah. But they can go inspect it. And so... Otherwise, I, I thought an alternative issue was the the some of the electric cars that were exploding and catching on fire. Did you read that one? Oh, no. I didn't see that yeah, one. Yeah, they got underwater and then they like caught on fire oh <laughs> it's just That's like no good apparently batteries and salt water don't mix yeah <laughs> but pretty much any car who got underwater like completely and totally is no good yeah but they said it was what is it the karma car it's like a hundred fifty thousand dollar electric car <laughs> and so like apparently people in new york can afford them and so there was half a dozen or a dozen of them that caught on fire so yeah we'll see what happens from that story <laughs> so all right, this is almost the end. We better get into some of the happenings. Yes. <laughs> um, we're talking just about the news. Today is Plan Your Epitaph Day. Hmm. Wait a second. We're talking about a big storm, and now you have to plan for your death. Yeah. Um, it is All Souls Day, so maybe that's why. Yeah. So, um all right, uh, Saturday is cliche day. Uh, there's plenty of cliches out there, so you can celebrate them on Saturday. Um, let's see. Sunday is mischief night. Uh, I'm surprised that's not on uh, Halloween. But it's also use your common sense day. Oh, come <laughs> on. Why well, use you your when someone's trying to make mischief, you've got to use your common sense and not fall for it. Well, I was thinking the other way. It's like <laughs> if you're doing and causing mischief, you're not really using common sense. Some, 
Yeah. So, all right. Let's see. Fifth of November is on Monday, and that's Guy Fawkes Day. And um, the turning back your clock thing, it's happening. Oh, yeah. That's so this weekend, prepared. isn't it? Yep. So they kind of changed it to try to save energy. Did you know that? That was yeah. the reason. So, all right. Thursday is cook something bold and pungent day. <laughs> so, all right. Community happenings. All right. Open mic night at the Gaia House Interface Center um, tonight. Doesn't it start at 7 o'clock? Uh, yeah, it starts at 7 o'clock okay. now. So um, that's every week, and they're now featuring a special guest each week. If you'd like your group to be featured in the coming weeks, find a few members who want to perform at open mic and show up. So. Yes, and also happening tonight, uh, it's the Rice and Spice Dinners that we were just talking about. Uh, this week's theme is Loy Krathong Feast. Uh, it's also, Loy Krathong is also known as the Lantern Festival. Uh, it takes place on the evening of the full moon, the 12th, 12th month in the traditional Thai lunar calendar. I believe we've celebrated it before there, haven't we? And uh, now we get to celebrate it again. Uh, coming up uh, tonight, starting at 6 p.m., start cooking the food, and uh, it's a good time. If you would like some Thai food, come to this slow food dinner. You know what fast food is, right? So this is exactly opposite. People get together, people meet and cook together, taking their time to enjoy the company and, well, the food. And, of course, the cleaning up. So it all goes together. So any other community events? The Women's Center announced dedication of the 40th anniversary Tribute Garden. That's today at 3 o'clock at the Women's Center. 610 South Thompson Street. The public is invited to join the Board of Directors, Tribute Garden Committee, and the staff of the Women's Center at 3 o'clock as they commemorate 40 years of providing safe shelter to the women and children of Southern Illinois. Yes, and that's really exciting. A lot of people don't realize what a treasure we have here in the Women's Center. Like 40 years ago, there weren't hardly any women's centers anywhere. You know, they were very pioneering, and they've been doing good work for the past 40 years. Let's see. Can mention one more. Uh, let's see. The uh, Trail of Tears Memorial Walk is coming up on Saturday. It's happening at the Trail of Tears State Park in the Shawnee uh, National Forest, uh, 3240 State Forest Road in Jonesboro. Um, at 12 noon, they'll start the walk to remember the ancestors from the front entrance of the park to the shelter, and it's approximately two miles. And then the potluck feast will be at 2 p.m. And they're also having a memorial prayer service at 4 on Saturday, Greenridge Farm is having their celebration of garlic at their Garlic Fest. Join and learn about planting of garlic, wears sturdy shoes, and then that's in the afternoon. And then afterwards, they'll have a potluck and a bonfire. So that's Saturday. Garlic Fest will be canceled if the weather is particularly nasty. Hmm. November 3rd is also the Shawnee National Forest Volunteer Day. From 1 to 3.30 p.m., meet in front of the Student Center by the Circle Drive for carpooling at 12.30. So, if you would like a complete list, we have more happenings. We cannot talk about all of them. Please email us at info at yourcommunityspirit.org. And we do have in the newsletter extras the free printable family emergency guide. All right. That have been exciting? Yes. I was excited. Another exciting and informative Your Community Spirit. We'll see you again on the radio next week.